a world-renowned theologian, was asked by one of his students, what is the greatest theological statement, truth, that you've ever discovered as you studied and thought and prayed through your life as a theologian? Without hesitation, the theologian responded to him, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. See, God desperately wants you and me to know how great his love for us is. He longs for us to just fall into the realm of his love and, and to understand that there is no greater power on all the world than that of the love of God that he has for us, and that he desires for us. The Bible is the revelation of the God of love. It, it, it's his telling us over and over and over again how much he loves us and how much he wants us to experience that love in our life as we look and as we understand. Today, as we look in Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 14 through 21, we're going to read one of the greatest prayers that have ever been prayed in all of, in all of time. One of the great words of God, God breathed through Paul as he prays this prayer and as he seeks to let us know what's going on here. And so we want to look at it. So I invite you to stand and listen to this prayer. And I pray that truly you, that you'll hear it. Listen carefully. I, you've read it before. You've heard it before. But listen to this prayer. This is God praying through Paul for you this morning. And don't miss that. It is a personal prayer for every single person in this place that we might know the love of God. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever ever. Amen. Just pray with me. Father, this morning as we look upon this great prayer that you have preserved for us, Paul poured out his heart in prayer for those believers in Ephesus as he speaks these words, but because it is the eternal living word of God, it is as though Paul prayed that prayer for First Christian Church, for the people of Kwana, for all of us, that we would hear and know and, and, and understand the love of God, and, and just allow ourselves to believe it, to trust in the reality of what it says. And so, Father, I pray this morning that, that you'll grip our hearts, that you'll help us this morning to just be overwhelmed with your love and in being overwhelmed with you and your love for us that we'll learn how to love you better. Because your word even tells us that we love you because you first loved us, because you've given us your love to us. And so help us to just get a hold of these truths, I pray this morning in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. As we think about this prayer and, and all that's going on here, we need to understand a couple of things in the beginning. First of all, God's love has nothing to do with you and me. We, we need to hear that and understand that. We can't affect his love. 
God is love, the Bible says. And, and nothing you can do and nothing I can do can change the reality of his love. If you and I could alter the love of God by something that we did, something that we said, an attitude that we possessed, if there was something that we could do to somehow alter the love of God, then God isn't love. He's just a human who loves like every other human love that is based upon what we do and what we don't do. But God's love. And God loves you. So you keep that in mind this morning, that nothing about you can change the love of God for you. Now, he, we can break his heart. We can disappoint him. We cannot live the way he wants us to live, obviously. But you, you can't stop his love for you. You just can't diminish it in any way as we look at it and as we see. And seven great words stand out in the beginning of this passage that we need to understand because it lets us get into the depth of what he's saying to us before we go very far. And, and those seven words are these. For this cause, I bow my knee. It may say reason or something else in the translation that you're looking at, but what he's speaking, what is this cause? For this cause, he says, I bow my knee. Well, the cause is that Paul is so caught up in his love for the people of God and so amazed at God's love for himself that he desperately wants them to hear how much God loves them, what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. And he says, for this cause, I bow my knee. You and I might pray, some of us pray in different positions in different ways, but when we really sometimes there's a burden on our heart, something that means so much to us and we desperately want to spend time with God and have God's attention, oftentimes we find find ourselves falling to our knees in, in an appeal before God, crying out to God. And Paul says, for this cause, this cause is that I want people in Ephesus to know God loves you. God loves you with a depth that you can't even begin to understand, but I want you to somehow grab a hold of that and, and get hold of that. He wants us to understand this morning that he loves us together. He loves each of us and all of us. And that's what Paul's praying as he looks at this. I bow my knee for this cause that you would know the depths of my heart. He is so astonished with God's love. Here are the most phenomenal words of prayer that we can find apart from the Lord Jesus Christ's prayer as he prayed for us in John 17 in the places that we look at. Oh, what an amazing prayer this is as we hear it. And within it are the words that we need to find what God has said for us as we look about it and as we see for in these verses, we find these things that I want us to look at briefly, some of them, a little more on others as we have because of time that we have. First of all, we discover in these verses, as the Bible says, that he, that he would grant you according to his riches. Endowment. We have been endowed with the love of God. What an endowment we have. You know, people, organizations, institutions try to raise endowments so they'll have money to survive and, and be able to carry on their business and things. But there's always the concern, what happens if the stock market falls and we lose the endowment or if the money's used up or what. But God is saying to us that we have an endowment in heaven, the very love of God that we have been given according to the riches of God in glory, that love that he has for us. We, we're endowed with a love that can never run dry. We're endowed with a love that can never go bankrupt. We're endowed with, a, endowed with a love that is so exceedingly great that it can't even be put into words. That love can never run out. God can never stop loving us. And God can never stop loving a world, no matter how desperate the world is. He gave His Son for that. We are endowed, but not only are we endowed, but we have an endowment, the Bible says, for this is what He says in this, to be strengthened with the might by His Spirit in the, in, of the inner man. We have been endued with the Spirit of God. We have 
not only the foundation, the endowment of God and the love of God, but he has told us that we have the strength and the power and the ability of God himself living within us. See, it's not up to us. It's not our strength that we have to worry about. It's not even our ability to love one another that matters because we can't do it the way we're supposed to do it. But we are endued with the spirit of the living God. That he dwells within us so that we can love each other the way we ought to love each other. We can treat one another the way we ought to. We have the strength to do the things God calls us to do. It's amazing what all we can do and accomplish because we are endued with the spirit of the living God. As we look at it, endowed, endued, the spirit also says that we also are enthroned. For the scripture went on to say that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. See, Christ has to be a part of our life if we're going to experience any of these things. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, then none of this is true for you. He loves you. As a lost person, he still loves you. And he gave his son, Christ, to die for you. And you can enter into the family of God. And all these things can be true of you in a moment, in a flash, just by trusting Christ as Lord and Savior. But until that takes place, these are things for the family of God. These are truths for God's people. And he said that God, Christ is enthroned in our hearts. He's not talking about the fact that we have an occasional visit. Oh, I think about God. I think about Christ when I go to church on Sundays or when I do this and that or when I'm in need and I want God to do something for me. No, he's talking about the indwelling of God on the throne of our heart. That we understand that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. And he's Lord whether you believe it or not. He's Lord whether you accept it or not. He is Lord of the universe, King of kings and Lord of lords. But he, he is Lord as we acknowledge him in our life. We find the fullness of his love. We find the fullness of his power and his strength. All that God wants to give us comes as we realize and surrender to the lordship of him in our lives as we look at that and understand. But not only his enthronement, but his establishment. That you being rooted and grounded in love. What he's talking about there is that you and I have been in Christ rooted in such a way that we can't be uprooted. That we, we have a foundation upon which we build that cannot be shaken, it cannot be destroyed. We have been rooted. And what is that foundation? It's love. It's God's love. We cannot be taken out of God's love. We cannot be removed from God's love. No, no disaster, no tragedy, nothing in life can take us out of the love of God. Remember in Romans 8, remember those last verses in Romans 8 when, G, when Paul is writing there again, overwhelmed with the love of God. What can separate us from the love of God? Not life, not death, not power, not anything above the earth, under the earth, not anything at all can ever separate us from the love of God. We can't be removed from God's love, folks. Take that into your heart and into your mind. There's not a moment of your life, there's not a second that you will live, there's not a breath that you will breathe, that you are not shadowed into the love of God enveloped by one who loves you like no one could ever love you. That's God in Christ Jesus demonstrating his love to you. We have that power, that love. We've been established and then enlightened, he says, for that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now, Paul knows it's not possible for us to understand the love of God. There's no way that our human mind can even begin to comprehend how great is God and how great is his love in our life. But he wants us to get a picture of it. He wants it to get a hold of us. He wants us to realize, God loves me. God loves me. See, until we really get that in our minds, until we understand how loved we are by God, we miss the reality of our worthiness. We, we miss the purpose of our life. We miss how great we are in God's eyes as he looks at us. And we begin to listen to the world when the world tells us we're not worthy and, and we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't be this kind of person. And we begin to believe in ourselves. 
But God says, I love you, and I love you, and you're worthy of the very best of my love. How do I know that he does? He says, I gave evidence of that to you as we look at it. And Paul wants to examine that. And so we're going to examine it just a little bit more this morning as we look and understand this. I want you to comprehend. I want you to see how great. I want you to get it in your mind, in your heart, how wondrous is the love of God. And he talks about it by breaking it down this way, by the breadth of the love of God. How wide is the love of God? John 3, 16 says this way, for God so loved. The breadth of God's love, it, it, it extends from the time before time began to beyond when time is ended. The love of God will still be there. There will be nothing that can stop it. or be, It is exhausted in being part of it. See, all religion is rooted in man's ability to love. And the best it can do is what you and I can do. That's all it has to offer. But Christianity is built upon the love of God. The eternal, permanent, perfect love of God in a relationship with Him. That's what sets it apart from every religion, every cult, every philosophy, every practice in all the world falls so far short it can't even begin to be seen when it's put up beside God's love in Christ Jesus and what He has done for those who trust Him and love Him. The breadth of God's love as He looks at it. His love is so spectacular that in some of the language of the Scripture it talks about it as being from another country from another realm. It, it can't be described in our words. It can't be described from us. It's not human in, in a sense that it is a love that comes from heaven. It is a love that comes from the very heart of the Creator God. It is a love that is so deep and so real and so full that it is beyond anything that you and I could ever imagine where we be able to just sit down and dwell with nothing on our mind but the love of God for all the days of our life. We wouldn't even scratch the surface. How great is His love for us. How wondrous it is. Not only the breadth of His love, but He wants us to know about the length of His love. John 3.16 goes on to say that He gave His only begotten Son. What a, an amazing thing that it is. God will go to any length to help us know that He loves us. It's easy to say, I love you. We've all heard the words and known they weren't real from the people who said them. Anybody can say it. The reality of love is in the action, in the doing. And God demonstrated his love to you, and he demonstrated his love to me, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the good news the scripture talks about in 1 John when he talks about that we, we know this, that God gave himself, demonstrated his love to us, and that Christ is our Savior, that he died, he gave his love for us, he showed his love for us. In, in Galatians 2.20 he tells us the purpose of Christ's coming was that he could die for our sins, that he could do a part of what we are. His love is so great, no matter what it means, God will go to any length, he did go to any length, to say I love you. Folks, when you think about the cross, you need to keep this in mind. That's God saying to me, I paid the greatest price that could ever be paid for you. That's the only reason Christ was on the cross. Because he loved you. He loves me. He wanted us to know the love, the power of God, the presence of God in our life. He wanted us to experience it. Not just talk about it. Not just read about it. Not just sing about it. But he wanted us to experience it. To know it in a personal relationship. That God loves me. 
God loves me beyond anything that I can ever know. God loves me more than any person will ever be able to love me. God loves me to depths beyond my comprehension. And yet God wants me to, to get a hold of that and grab a hold of it. The length of God's love, as he talks about it, the depth of God's love, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't put conditions on his love. God's love is eternal. It's sacrificial. It's real as we look at it. It's unconditional. He said in Timothy, Paul said in Timothy, it was for this very reason. This is a good word. This is a good saying. He said, this is something you can count on. Christ came to save sinners. That's all of us. All of us. And Christ came specifically to demonstrate his love to us while we were sinners, to save us from our sin, to give us a hope and a life for all things as we would look at it and as we would understand it. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah that the Lord's arm is not shortened, that he cannot save. See, there's no depth of sin that any of us can get to that God can't reach us. There's no place, no matter how far we may fall, God's grace can still reach us. God's love can still. See, no one, no one is beyond the ability of God to save. That's good news, folks. That means when nobody else loves us, God does. That means when no one sees in us anything of worth, of value, any reason whatsoever to waste even a breath upon us, that God's pouring out his love and reaching out to us calling us by name to be his own. The breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Oh, the height of God's love. The Bible tells us, Jesus said in John 14, I've gone to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare that place for you, I'll come again so that where I am there you may be also. See, the height of God's love is a place called heaven. It's a place that God's prepared for every single one of us. It's a place that those who know the Lord Jesus Christ know that they'll dwell in the glory and the wonder of the Lord God for all time, for all eternity, in the very presence of the one who so, who so loved us that he gave himself for us in Jesus Christ. And we'll stand not in the word, not in the church talking about the love of God, reading about the love of God, but we'll stand in the presence of the love of God. What an amazing thing that is that you and I, can be known by God, loved by God, and invited, already prepared, already welcoming us, that we will know that we dwell in the house of God forever and ever and ever in the very essence of love. That's what he's talking about when he deals with that, but he's not through yet. He goes on to talk about the fact of enlargement. As, as he talked in these verses, he said that we may know the love of God which passes knowledge. See, Paul is praying that we'll know the unknowable. I have a hard time knowing what's known. <laughs> but God wants us to know the unknowable. God wants us to know that is that so rich and so amazing that it just astounds us all the time. See, what happens in our lives is that we begin to take things for granted. We become so accustomed to things that they don't mean anything to us anymore. We become so conscious of what's going on around us all the time that it loses its wonder, its depth, its awe. And Paul is praying that we'll be so overwhelmed with the love of God that there will not be a day that goes by that we don't find ourselves, wow, God loves me. Can you believe that? God loves me. 
And that's what he wants to see, that we might see, that we might have that knowledge that passes the knowledge of the world, that passes the knowledge even of ourselves, that comes into the realm of God's holy knowledge, that says, I am loved by God in all the moments of my life. I am loved by God even at the very worst times when I might not be at all thinking of God, when I might walk away from God, when there's nothing about me that wants to have anything to do with God. I am loved by God. Nothing, nothing can ever keep me from being loved by God. That's what Paul wants us to know, that knowledge that passes all knowledge, that comprehension. See, even the youngest saint knows God loves me. How? Because the Bible tells me so. And even the oldest, most mature saint knows that not only are they loved by God, but they have a heart desire, a passion in their, in their lives that's driving them on and on that they might understand more and more of God's love. See, I want to know God's love more today than I knew about it yesterday. And I want to know more tomorrow than I know today. That's driving us, that's pushing us, that we would understand, that we'd get a hold of, that we'd be caught up in, that we'd be possessed by the love of God. And then he says that we'll know the enrichment, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, how do we get all the fullness of God? Well, there was, there was a man who maybe caught an idea of the word when he, he, he noticed uh, another person as he was watching this man went out on, uh, on a seashide and he picked up a seashell. And he looked at it and, and it was beautiful and everything and he realized as it was there, he, he placed it down at the edge of the shore. The tide had gone back out and he placed it down. And as he placed it there, the tide began to come back in and as it did, the shell was filled with water. He said, see, that shell is filled with the fullness of the ocean. Now, that shell didn't hold all the ocean by any means, but it was totally full of the ocean. That's what Paul's saying about you and me. We can't ever know all the things of God. God can't be held within the contents of our mind, our heart, our self. God said, I can't be kept within the house that you may build of being a part of. The universe can't hold him. We're still finding greater, more and more galaxies, more and more universes out there. They keep growing. They keep expanding. And they keep saying, there's more, there's more, there's more. And though some people want to say that just shows that God didn't do all this kind of stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. That just shows that God's universe is so much bigger than anything that man will ever be able to know that God is still bigger than that. And we have him in us to the fullness. We don't have all of God. Nobody can have all of God. But we have, God has all of us if we're Christians. And he dwells fully in us. He doesn't just fill my hand and leave the rest of me alone. No, he, he, I am full of God. I have the fullness of God. That's what Paul's praying. Is that we'll know that we have all of God that we can have. God's not just saying, I'll give you a little bit at a time. And when you earn a little bit more, I'll give you a little bit more. And when you earn a little bit more, I'll give you a little bit more. And maybe if we're lucky and we get to live 70, 80, 100 years, we might get a fourth, fifth. I don't know how much we'd get of God if he just gives us a little bit at a time. No. I've got him all. I've got him all. I have the fullness of God in my life because he Gave it to me in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying. I want you to know. I want you to understand, folks. You're believers. You belong to God. You have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want you to agree. And I pray for you. I'm on my knees pleading with God for you that you would know the fullness of God is in you. 
And then he has a, what, what an amazing benediction he goes to because then he moves into those last verses and he comes to this part. He says, and he, talking about Christ, is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or think. Wow. God loves me so much. And he has endowed me with love. He has endued me with himself. He has established me. He has enriched me. He has given me all these kinds of things. He's, he's helped me to know and enlighten my mind that I might get a hold of the breadth and the height and the length and the width of the love of God in my life and all the things that are there. He has enlarged my capacity to understand and to experience the fullness of God and all that He is. And He has filled me so full of Himself in order that He might be able to do for me exceedingly more than I can ever ask, more than I can ever think, more than I can can ever imagine God is able and willing and ready to do that for every one of us why because he loves us he loves us and so he closes with that wondrous thing how could we say less to God be the glory to God be the glory not to any man not to Paul not to any church, but to God be the glory. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think about the love of God and, and how much you have shown that love to us and continue to show that love to us, it'd be one thing that you gave us a demonstration of it one time in history and we had to keep looking back to that moment and that's all the love that we could understand, but that just opens the door for the love to be poured into our hearts. And Father, I, I just thank you that, that you let us see the heart of the Apostle Paul. What a man of God, what a pastor. That he was on his knees pleading, crying out from the very depths of his being. His soul was caught on fire because what he wanted more than he wanted anything was that our people would know God loves them. God, may we know that, may we understand that, that we are loved by God. Not some man-made God, not some dreamed-up God, but God, Creator, King, Lord, Majesty, Holiness, Righteousness, that name that is above every name. That name to whom none can be compared. That being that nothing can stand beside and being a part of it. This God that is greater than the universe. This God that speaks and what He speaks is done. This God loves us with a love unending. God, I pray this morning that if there's anyone here that doesn't know that love in a personal way because they've never trusted Christ as their personal Savior, that this would be the moment that they'd say, yes, I trust Christ. I, give, I want that love. I accept that love. Maybe there's some looking for a church home. I don't know what all the needs are here, but God, I know there's not a one of us here that don't need to be reminded again and again and again how much you love us. And I thank you that you never cease to do that. God, it's my prayer. I, I, I know I don't have the fervency and the, the urgency and the wonder of Paul in any way, but God, I would pray 
that this group of people and those viewing and, and so many others, God, that we might know how great is your love. That we might walk in the awareness we are loved by God. What a difference that ought to make in the way that we live. And I, God, I just pray that you would not let anyone leave this place without your soul speaking into their heart. Not by me, not by songs that we've sung or prayers that we've prayed, but by your very spirit that they might know this morning, this moment, you love them. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.